Uh, tonight's going to be a bit of a continuation uh, of the last two weeks in the morning. So I haven't spoken at night for a little while, but the last two weeks were a little bit of a part one and part two. And this isn't part three, but it is in the same vein, the same stuff that we've been covering. We've been looking a little bit at, at uh, social media, the impact of social media. Uh, this morning we looked at uh, whether you're an inner or an outer and the way that society polarises around particular issues and, and what is our response as God's people to that. And tonight I want to continue that thinking in that vein. And, uh, but what I want to do is encourage you, if you, if you actually weren't here Last week or this week in the morning, um, you know, the podcasts are free. Just get on iTunes, search New Hope Church Toowoomba. It'll be the first one that comes up and uh, it's free and I think it will be helpful. I've actually had a few young people ask me who heard it in the last couple of weeks whether I would preach it at night because they thought it would be really helpful for uh, particularly, you know, next-gen people. So uh, if that's you, why don't you get on and have a listen to the last couple of AMs, and it might just equip you in the way that you're thinking about current issues and how you should be responding to them. Um, and I've been a little bit intentionally provocative, just so you know. I've been, I've been stirring us. I think, you know, there's... there's <laughs> There's only one thing I think worse that could happen to the church than to be persecuted or to be um, ridiculed in the, in the media. Or There's only one thing worse than that, and that is to be ignored. If, if our message is so bland and so, uh, you know, so toothless that it can be ignored, that's actually a greater indictment than anything negative that could ever be said. And, uh, and so tonight, I'm going to throw a few little things in. Some of it's tongue-in-cheek, but I really mean it anyway. Yeah. Okay? So this morning, reiterating real quick, we're just wanting to pick up where I left off a bit. Uh, I spoke about being uh, insiders and outsiders. And that often in Jesus' world, people who thought they were insiders ended up realising they were outsiders. And people that the insiders thought were outsiders seem to be the people that Jesus wanted to spend time with. And how we can, if we, if we don't get our thinking right, uh, and if we don't get our perspective right, uh, sometimes we are scoring our own, own goal. We are actually running in the wrong direction. We are actually batting for the wrong team, whatever analogy you want to use. So we looked at that a little bit. And, and what came up in that was tribalism looked a little bit at tribalism, which is a recognised sociological trait of human beings, the need to band together. Sociologists believe that it goes right back to um, very ancient man and his need to, to band together and form a tribal identity for things like protection and being able to achieve things like building shelter or being able to hunt and gather and put food on the table. There was, a, there was a need to actually get together in community and then that community would form very specific identities and you either knew that you were in or you were out. There was sort of no middle ground. You were either in or you were out. And sometimes to be out meant death, literally. Uh, to be in generally meant safety and some form of identity as well. And so we still see that. That's still very much a human trait. It's not just ancient man. 
And interestingly, sociologists, some sociologists identify that moral tribalism is the new tribalism. You might not have to gather together to hunt for food. Uh, you just need to go to Woolworths now. Uh, so time, who, anyone who says the world's getting worse has got rocks in their head. And so, but the new tribalism is moral tribalism. And it is polarising around issues and, and often people try and assume the high moral ground, etc. Uh, and so that is a thing. It's a recognised trait. And the fact is, we live in an increasingly polarised society where we are continuously challenged to form allegiances, to form loyalties. Who do you stand with? Who do you separate? What group do you fit with? What tribe are you? And social media has empowered this to the extreme. And with each emerging debate, whether it's immigration, whether it's sexuality, whether it's abortion, whether it's political allegiance, we're plunged ever deeper into this cycle of outrage and distrust and recrimination against one another. Have you noticed that? Often the mere possibility that someone is a member of the quote-unquote the other group or the other side is enough to attract vitriol and slander regardless of their intentions. That's ignored. And anyone who's ever been pounded for sharing an opinion on Facebook knows exactly what I'm talking about. And this is what behavioural scientists or sociologists recognise as moral tribalism. And social science research shed some interesting light on this. In one study, for instance, researchers of Northeastern University in Boston recruited a group of volunteers... And on the basis of responses they'd given to some questions, informed them that they were either habitual overestimators or habitual underestimators. In other words, like if they looked at a jar with a hundred marbles in it, some of them would always say there's 150, some would always say there's 75. Okay, so, so nothing moral about this. Just, this is just an interesting thing. So they divided the group. Now, all the feedback they gave was false. Okay, they just literally split the room down the middle and they told two groups two different things. You're an overestimator, you're an underestimator. And next they introduced the volunteers to another person who was secretly cooperating with the study. And half the volunteers were told that this person had the same estimation style as them And the other half were told, no, he's like you. He's an underestimator to this group. He's an overestimator to that group. And then they had the chance to observe this person cheat on a simple task. Then finally, the volunteers were asked to rate how fairly this person had acted. Results showed that people who had the same estimation style as the research Uh, as the research person, was significantly more likely to forgive that person's actions. By contrast, those who had a different estimation style, they thought, rated the person's behaviour far more harshly. 
And the results simply demonstrated how easily people succumb to moral tribalism. Estimation style has nothing to do with morality. Nevertheless, because people care so deeply about similarities and differences that they share with others, even this trivial feature was enough to change their sense of us and them. Group identity and allegiances then marked the line between virtue and vice. Situational ethics gone crazy, depending on your bias. Here's an example closer to home that, that we will all understand very well, particularly in this season. Well, not all of us, but many of us. Uh, Group membership serves as a moral bound, serving as a moral boundary manifests in people's punishment decisions as well. For example, sports fans, state of origin, sledging the ref. Isn't it interesting that depending on the team you're going for, that referee either can't make a wrong decision or can't make a right one. And at the end of the day, most refs probably, you know, they're probably 80, 80% of the time, most of the time, they probably get it right. Now with cameras, they probably get it right 90% of the time. But if your team is losing, yeah. he's an idiot yeah. and he can't get a thing right. And if your team is winning, you think that all the complaints from the opposite side is just sour grapes. <laughs> and that's just a very simple, we polarise, we tribalise. And we actually, like, sometimes it's just sledging and fun, but sometimes we're actually deceived into thinking New South Wales can play football. Preach. Come on. <laughs> I shouldn't have thrown that in. It wasn't in the notes. Why am I saying all this? Why am I saying it all? For a few reasons. If we're so prone to clustering together for safety, mutual support and influence then where do we get our allegiance advice from? If this activates something in the human psyche that is so powerful, then where do we take our cues? Because, man, that's very, very important. Social media? Peer pressure? Pressure of being politically correct? I don't know. Where do you take your cues for what you polarise to, for what you give your allegiance to. So many ideologies are striving to claim the moral high ground. And if you look at some of those ideologies, it has nothing to do with authentic morality. It has a lot more to do with whoever's got the moral high ground has the moral superiority to shut down any reasonable debate or argument especially when it comes to the media. So it's not actually about morality, it's a false morality. Nevertheless, it exists. And in the middle of it all, I've noticed confusion reigns. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying tonight. Confusion reigns. I mean, I just think it's amazing that, that people get so dogmatic about just how right they are about things. For example, vegans. Now, I've got to say, if you're a vegan here, present company is accepted. 
I love vegans. My daughter is one. Uh, unless Sue's cooking chicken. And so, but, but I do, I understand the thinking. And, but here's, look, and, and this is a sweeping generalism. So I don't want to put anyone offside. And if you're here, well, then, you know, there's a good chance you're a Christian vegan. Okay, and good on you for that. But I have noticed that for, for many vegans, they seem to lean on the left side of politics, which happens to generally, again, another generalism, but a pretty accurate one, generally be pro-abortion, pro-choice. Well, last I looked, human beings were mammals too. So how can you be so pro-animal and so anti-animal at the same time? The reason I'm talking about this tonight is because of the confusion that's out there demanding moral allegiance, demanding that you take the moral high ground on certain things, when as a matter of fact, some of those moral high grounders have got massive disparities in their own ideologies. So who are you taking the cues from? And that's the name of my message tonight, and I'm actually three quarters of the way through, I think. Who is shaping you? That's it. Because you conform to your loyalties, to your allegiances, to the tribe. Who is shaping you? Psalm 119 verse 89 and 90 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. And And what the psalmist is talking about, first application, is certainly the word at creation. God spoke the word, let there be light, let there be water, and everything that that happened in those initial moments of creation. But it's also a broader sense of God's word is settled, it's unchanging, It's, it's not like social opinion that shifts massively over the generations. It's established. And then the psalmist, over 3,000 years ago, also writes in a little bit of evidence as to how confident he is that God's word doesn't change. Because it says, the earth still abides by it. How did he know that 3,000 years ago? If you talk to some people about the future of the earth, it should have been over hundreds of years ago. should have definitely been over by 1980. Some of you guys are only hearing stuff that I heard 30 years ago. So we just need to be a bit careful about people and their opinions and potentially think about allowing ourselves to be shaped by something a little bit more timeless than trendy. A A little bit more solid than just a fad even though it might appear to have some sense of moral superiority attached to it. Must have been an awesome word, that first word, because the earth's still turning. In spite of every form of abuse that man has thrown at it, and I would suggest that God is the one who's going to end it, not man, and it'll happen in his timing, not ours. That's just what I would suggest from Scripture. Some, it does not absolve, hang on a sec, can I just say something else? It does not absolve us 
from looking after the planet. As a matter of fact, Christians should be the most... uh, When I say radical, I mean radical in all the best ways. The most radical climate and, and, and earth care people ever. It was the first job given to man by God. Put him in the garden and said, tend it. And we're in the garden, so we don't wash our hands and say, well, that's only just a weird mop. We should be bringing some balance to the argument and showing our passion for our environment for future generations, as long as, you know, God lets it spin. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Who's shaping you? God's word is a lamp to your feet. It's a, it's a flashlight. You can find your way home in the dark, which is a little bit like what society is at the moment, if you haven't noticed. A lot of lost people. I've got no problems with that. People really lost and trying to find their way. The problem I get with people is was when they're lost and they don't know their way, but they say they do. They're the most dangerous. Don't let them shape you. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Who's shaping you? Verse 7 and 8 goes on to explain that passage a bit and it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, our opinions, our feelings, history proves, do not always lead us into good places. Humanity in general. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. There you go. There's that God that's a killjoy again. No, verse 8 says why you fear God and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh. And strength to your bones. God's desire for you in directing you is not to control you. In shaping you, it's not to control you. But so you'll avoid the self-destructive stuff and prosper and have life to the full. Like Jesus said, that's why he came. Who's shaping you? So I just want to finish with some questions. Simple questions. Three simple questions. But I do want you to think about them, just to make tonight worthwhile. As I said, it's, it's pointless if we just get here and we do something and it, it doesn't change us in some way. So three simple questions. The first one is, what do you really trust for guidance? Current social pressure or something more timeless? Ask yourself that question. Second question is, what do you really anchor your beliefs on? It says believes on, I think. That's my spelling. Not Ethan's. Thank you, Ethan. What do you really anchor your beliefs on? The need to fit in? The need to identify? Or on timeless truth? That's okay. No, no, you're not supposed to see that. These are my notes now. What did he do? Oh! (laughs) Thank you, Ethan. 
Let's see if he types your welcome. Okay, you might be on the next screen. The need to fit in or, and identify or on timeless truth. What, what do you really anchor your beliefs on? And the last question is, where do you take direction from? Your strong feelings about a matter or scripture? Who's shaping you? Because it's so easy to be shaped by the opinion, by the flow, by those who say they have possessed the moral high ground, which I guarantee within the next generation, within the next 25 to 30 years, everything that is a current issue will have shifted once again. Most of us just haven't been around long enough to see it. But I'm approaching 55. So I have seen just a little bit of it. And I guarantee there's things that were held fast by society and known to be true that have been well and truly disproven just in my lifetime and it will happen again and again and it would be a shame for you to die on a hill that no one wants to possess in the future for you to shatter your relationships on something that is not timeless for you to build your life on someone else's sinking sand only to find that when the storm comes in the future everything that you've built gets washed down the toilet This is good advice, people. The scripture, the Bible, if I put it that way, offers offers us a glimpse into timeless truth. And there's also time-bound truth in scripture, which confuses some people. But there's timeless truth of God's word in it. Embrace that. It's an anchor against being driven by social pressures, knee-jerk reactions, and your own fears. It's something that's timeless, beyond, bigger, that you can actually anchor your soul on, that you can actually trust, that will stand the test of time, and you can trust it to shape your thoughts, to shape your directions, to shape your decisions so that you actually live for something that's eternal, not something that is trendy in the moment and a motive in the moment and will be gone tomorrow as sure as God made little apples. Can I pray for you? Why don't we stand together tonight? You know, everything I've been saying the last couple of weeks you know, it's, it's difficult stuff to navigate. I admit that. And, and I don't even want to be, and I probably seemed that way, or certainly probably did seem that way. I'm a preacher, forgive me, but even dogmatic about it. But I tell you what I do want to do is shake up Come on. some of the lies yeah. and some of the, the pressure from outside that binds people, that makes them feel powerless unless they go with the crowd makes you feel morally inferior when often the moral high ground has been claimed by people who are authentically morally totally bankrupt and yet you feel pressured to be part of it 
And I, I just think there's a better tribe to be part of. So, Father, help us negotiate it in our own thinking. And, you know, when we're on social media and we're interacting online and we're talking with our friends and we're at school and whatever our situation and the workshop floor and in that office block, in that, that mum's group, wherever we find ourselves in the mission field of life, Father, help us. Help us to, to, to balance this. Help, help us to recognise what is not authentic from what is authentic, what is temporal from what is eternal. And, and help us to make quality decisions in what we allow to shape us, to shape our thinking, to shape our decisions, to shape our values, to shape our principles of life. Lord, we commit ourselves to you tonight. We ask you to, to help us do that. Help us to still down values in our lives that, that are eternal and that bear fruit in Jesus' name. And uh, just while we've got our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you know, if you're here and uh, you might not claim to have a massive amount of faith in God, yet maybe you're on a journey. I, I figure that if you're here, you probably are on a journey. I know this, that if you're here, you're not here by accident, that, that somehow God has orchestrated to get you in his house tonight. And, uh, and maybe you've been on a bit of a journey talking with friends or influenced by friends that, that are following Jesus. Well, tonight I, I just want to give you an opportunity for you to make faith real for yourself. You know, not to feel like you have to stand on the outer, not to feel like you're not part of it. The fact is God loves you. God believes in you. He's believed in you before you ever thought of believing in him but I want to give you an invitation tonight to actually put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ God loves you you're created in his image and the fact is there are things that we do that really wreck our relationship with God the Bible calls them sin and it's pretty well anything that you're not really proud of the good news is that Jesus came paid a price we could never hope to pay so that we could be restored in relationship to God and uh, and you might be here tonight and you just recognize this is probably the moment in my journey where I need to take a step of faith I need to take a step of faith towards God so I'm just going to ask you all to close your heads bow, close your eyes sorry <laughs> bow your heads tonight just one more time just to give people a, a bit of a moment sort of between them God and me but but friend if you're in this place and you just know you know tonight's a night I want to put my faith in Jesus I want to put my faith in something timeless in something eternal in something that doesn't shake or change if you're weary of the shaking and the changes and the confusion then I, I invite you to ask Jesus into your life tonight and let him begin to bring clarity. In a few moments' time, we're going to pray a simple prayer. It'll be up on the screen behind me in a moment. We're going to pray it all together. We all do every service at New Hope. But I want to give you the opportunity to use this prayer to commit your life to Christ. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time.
that you really want to be connected to God. So while every head's bowed, every, every eye's closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want you to take that step of faith. Just take that bold step of faith and say, that's me, Pastor Chris. Just raise your hand straight up right where you are. I'm not going to prolong it for long, but I always want to give people this opportunity, the most important and powerful decision you could make. And if that's you, just going to look across this auditorium one more time. If that's you, just raise your hand straight up right where you are. Fantastic, mate. That is awesome. Others, come on. Just in this last moment, if you're here and you just know, man, that's a decision I need to make. Fantastic. Well, we're all going to pray together. All going to pray together. And uh, let's just use these words, you know, authentically to invite Jesus afresh into our life. Dear Jesus, I, I believe, believe in you. you. Thank, Thank you for forgiving me. me. Come into my life and I'll, I'll follow, follow you. You, you know, and that is just the way it all begins just a simple commitment to follow jesus and you might say i don't know everything that's okay just start god will begin to show you as you go uh that's the beauty of having a relationship with a god that's alive and so i uh, just want to encourage you if you made that decision whether i saw your hand or i didn't whether you got to the point of raising your hand or you, you didn't quite get there god loves you and uh and matt's going to tell us what to do next